Support the podcast by buying a copy of this book, The Raven Throne, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and Apple. It's also available in paperback. Email me at podcast at ericedstrom.com and tell me how much you love this podcast. And don't forget, leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Henley Mast scooped the last spoonful of stew and ate it. Then, cheeks reddening with shame, he took a chunk of bread from the platter and sopped up all that remained in the bowl. No one else was in the baths dining hall save Reginald Keel, a novitiate doing penance in the scullery. Had Henley shown such terrible manners in his father's house, he would have been sent to sit on the floor with the hounds, and those rascals would have stolen the rest of his meal in half a heartbeat. But hunger compelled him to eat every crumb and spot of the hearty stew. More than hunger. He had gone into the dungeon cell beneath the Abbey of Till as a somewhat hardened lad of the street, but part of him had still been the soft son of a rich merchant. Even his years aboard ship did not compare with the cold and desolate world of namelessness. Inside that cell, the old Henley Mast had died. A different boy had been born, one nurtured by starvation, madness, and hopelessness. From now on, Henley would take no soup as certain. But sopping up soup made him feel like a prisoner, furtive, animal. He ate the bread and pushed the bowl away. Reginald came forward to collect it. He was taller than Henley and a few years older, and he was Akeel, the family who had burned down Henley's house. Reginald, he said, acknowledging the lad. It was hard to do without growling. The Mast and Keel families had feuded so long that Regin and Henley had learned mutual animosity in the crib. And yet Reginald had saved Henley's life. As the fire swept through the Mast house and the rest of the Keel brothers ran through it to make sure Henley's father and armsmen were all slain, Reginald had come to Henley's room and helped him to the window where he climbed to safety. And so Henley had lived. Please sit, Reginald. The lad was blonde, broad-shouldered. Henley supposed he had a pleasant enough face to anyone not familiar with his father, Hackworth Keel. The resemblance was unmistakable, though he did not possess the habitual smirk that marred his father's face. Instead, his countenance was placid, even earnest. It must have been that quality that made Kyla so twitchy around him. She had never spared any of them the jabs of her wit, but Reginald got double his share. Reginald sat on the long bench across the table from Henley and folded his hands. It was strange to see him in the somewhat scandalous, filmy robes of a novitiate of Ori. Novitiates were rarely seen outside the baths, and most were female. The robes surely drew a lad's notice when a novitiate girl happened to swish by in them. Kyla had apparently worn them once. He could only imagine her chagrin, and he did imagine, or tried to, what she might have looked like in them. But Reginald was clearly at home in the get-up. I have to thank you, Reginald. I'd be dead if you hadn't pushed me out of that window. Reginald hadn't shoved him so much as guided him so that he could climb down and avoid flames and blades. And I suspect that is why you are no longer welcome at House Keel. I'm sorry for that. 
You have not to apologize for. It was my family who destroyed yours. But I have more to apologize for. When you were on the way to the cathedral to sell the cat you got from those sailors... You mean Ollie? Yes. Well, Fallow and I had planned to rob you that night. Kyla beat you to it. Henley winced. Actually, she simply beat us. Then she went after you. But good came of it. If we had succeeded, we would have taken Ollie straight to the cathedral, and none of our cats would know us. Ragenault moved Henley's bowl aside. His brows scrunched over his nose, and he said nothing for a long time. Finally, he looked up. And I wouldn't know Kyla. Don't fool yourself. Nobody truly knows Kyla. Reginald snickered and gave a sad smile. As true as that? As true as that. A presence entered the dining hall that made both boys turn to see who had come in. Henley stood and offered the voluptuary a bow. She was no taller than he was, but she might as well have been a giant. She radiated authority like a mercus light. Sit, both of you. They sat. She joined them, taking a seat next to Rajan. She propped her elbows on the table and rubbed her hands together. I won't make you stay, Henley, but I think you should. Right into the conversation, as usual. I appreciate your generosity, voluptuary, but I don't want to become a novitiate. I don't want to do anything but leave Starside. And leave Kyla's sigh, he didn't add. She frightened him as much as she charmed him. You have awakened to the Marcus, lad. The Hargath will not let you slip through his fingers. Where is your cat? Hunting. You have a rat problem, in case you didn't know. He felt his face flush, knowing that it was turning bright red. He shouldn't have said that about the rats, but she had made him angry, as if he didn't know the dangers of the Hargath. He knew them better than anyone save Kyla. The voluptuary didn't seem particularly offended. I felt the Marcus ebb and flow as Kyla and the Hargath contended for her power. It wasn't nearly so bright as her ashing of the thinnies, but no one with a whisker's sensitivity to the Marcus could have failed to feel it. But there was another presence flaring upon the Mercusine during that battle. It, too, was centered in the Hargath's crypt. She shivered at her own words. Few had ever seen the tomb-like chamber where the old man lived. Henley had not admitted to himself that he'd used the Mercus. He certainly hadn't told Kyla or Fallow, and especially not the voluptuary. If Kyla knew of it, she hadn't said anything. You aren't denying it, Reginald said softly. His eyes were wide, and he leaned back as if seeing in Henley a sudden danger, like finding a spider in one's wardrobe. Your power is strong, Henley, the voluptuary said. Stronger than Sen's Gulsoy's was. May Ori embrace him eternal. She leaned forward, eyes intense and penetrating. Tell me what you did. Marcus feats of any kind are difficult. Most with the skill can barely sense it. But I felt you moving it, and the feeling was watery and strange. I had a note from the coin of Paul asking for confirmation of it. She claims to have spun three grins 
when asking the medallion if another Merculin had awakened. Henley looked at Reginald. The blonde boy had been there in the crypt shortly after. He had helped Henley and Carla escape. Reginald was, and it took a moment to really recognize the truth, a friend now. Far away, Huff pounced and killed a rat. He sent waves of grim satisfaction and pride to Henley. This boosted Henley's fortitude. The voluptuary had been a friend, too, and a friend to Wen and Kyla, though Kyla would hardly admit it. He could risk telling her. I don't know what I did, he said. It came out of desperation. Don Yeeples was going on about Dem Kisk and trying to kill Kyla. I just... Both the voluptuary and Rajan were watching him, eyes drinking him in. He was not accustomed to such attention from anyone. It made him uneasy, and he looked away and rubbed the back of his neck. I don't know if I did it or not, but the world turned sort of green, and everything moved slower. Much slower. Everything but me. I was able to deflect Dunyeeple's final blow. Then I knocked him out. I thought I'd killed him. And then it all returned to normal, and I was more exhausted than I've ever been. The voluptuary didn't say anything. She seemed to be waiting for him to continue. But he'd told her all there was to tell. He'd never had any of the experiences Kyla described, the keener sight, the ability to smell what the family on the floor below the Warren den were cooking for dinner. He certainly had never seen metals glowing. He coughed and avoided the voluptuary's eyes. As I said, I don't know that I even did it. Oh, you did it, the woman said. I assure you, a Marcus feat not accomplished in an age, and even then by only one Merculin. Her name was Jury Le Minlouis. Both boys gasped at the mention of the first enlightened's name. She was not well thought of. You mean the one they named the Herodin Gate after? Rajan said. She wasn't a Marculin. She was God-touched. The voluptuary let Reginald's mild blasphemy slide. Is that what the Donesmasters say? Shaking her head, she pressed her palms to the table as if seeking its solidity to keep her on an even keel. Her disgrace is a myth, propagated by the way of Till to weaken the Raven Throne. The resulting revolt cost thousands of terracide lives and turned Cheapskate from a thriving duckside village into the horrid slum it is today. The word Herodon is all the evidence you need. The nares of the Thebkind table have always sought to reduce women to hounds. They've had a boat in their craw about us since compromising on the triumvirate at the synod of the new pantheon. She heaved a great breath, again seeking to control her ire. She failed. Those men are what they despise, those be-robed swirehogs. She held her breath a moment, then released it. And this time she did relax. With her composure back within her control, she smiled wanly. Dury Le Minui was steeped in the Marcus. Our library has three separate accounts of her power, written by her contemporaries, all of whose works have been declared wrong by the way of Till. 
and these accounts agree that jury's powers were unmatched in her time. There was one witness to her feat of time reign, a man who served in her household as a do-all. He had been summoned to her quarters to repair a rattling window. As he worked upon it, her enlightened majesty entered the room. Naturally, he ceased working immediately and paid the proper obeisance by bowing and lowering his gaze to his feet. And this is where the story becomes quite weird. When the man straightened and resumed his work at her insistence, a gull flew into the window, jarring it loose from the frame and shattering it. As the pieces fell toward the workman, a flash of green filled the room. It lasted a mere moment. When it passed, there wasn't a shard of glass upon the floor. It was all contained in a priceless vase held in her enlightened majesty's own hands. The gull sat upon the carpet, dazed but alive. The workman had moved three paces aside from the window in less than a click of a tongue. Henley could envision the scene as if he'd been there. He knew what the enlightened had seen, what she had done. But why expend so much power for a mere do-all? The voluptuary shrugged. She was the enlightened, seeing what others could not. But judging by events that follow, she merely sought to protect her future husband from injury. She was a seer and must have seen a grave future ahead if the accident had proceeded as fate directed. Few can confront and turn aside the force of destiny. Henley blew out his cheeks. Part of him was relieved. That means I probably won't be able to do it again. And maybe the gods touched me to save Kyla. She is Dem Kisk, after all. Ragen swore and stammered an outraged denial. The voluptuary waved him to silence. That is not decided, young man. A possibility, but not yet a fact. Ragen paled, then turned slightly green, like a landman at sea for the first time. Henley sympathized, but he'd had more time to accept that the ravings of Dunyeeples were not mere fancy but a truth inspired by direct witness of Kyla's destruction of the Thinnies. Still, if I did do that time rain thing, it doesn't mean I know how to do it. I didn't feel anything happen. The voluptuary merely stared at him, unblinking, mouth pursed in the manner of one patiently allowing someone to say silly things to get the ideas out of their minds. Lean forward, she commanded. My arms aren't long enough to reach you. When Henley leaned the wrong way, she sighed. I'm not going to hit you, you sheep-headed dolt. I'm going to show you your own power. You obviously don't take my word for it. Hesitantly, he leaned forward. The voluptuary motioned him closer until he was nearly folded in half, his gut pressing into the edge of the table. She placed her dry, warm palm on his forehead. Heat flashed up and down his spine as the world snapped into keen detail. The smell of his soup jumped out first, proving he had not gotten every bit from the bowl. The grain of the wood table, which had been polished glossy by ages of use, was now rough to his touch. He could even see the ridges of the grain, like tiny waves upon a dun ocean. He pulled away, sucking in a breath and feeling his hair stand up, a chill coursing over his scalp. 
His muscles contracted, forcing his hands into claws and his back to pull inward, his chin rising until he was squinting at the ceiling. The voluptuary nodded in satisfaction. I don't have Gulsoy's delicate touch, I'm sorry to say, but this will pass. Reginald was swearing under his breath. Henley heard every syllable as clearly as if it were whispered into his ear. Abruptly, the tension released and his body slumped. Breath racing and body tingling, Henley panted and stared dumbly at the dining hall around him. He could still see more keenly than he'd ever seen before. Every sound that reached him was crisp and clear, as if the source were right next to him. In fact, he heard the conversation of two novitiates who had come into the kitchens to help the baker prepare the next round of bread for the afternoon meal. You may not be able to accomplish a time reign again. I don't know, and my preference would be that you do not. The gods are jealous of their domain, and time and the force of destiny are not to be trifled with. But you saved Kyla. That speaks to your importance in this game. So I ask you again to stay here and train. The way of Ori can protect you within the confines of the baths. If you leave, you are on your own. In this, the coin and I agree. I will not detain you. You will most certainly be recaptured by the Dunsmasters if you leave. I don't want to be a novitiate. Then don't. What? Reginald blurted. That's not fair. As you well know, Reginald, little in life is... Stay forever, Henley said. I don't want to be trapped here. I just want to collect enough coin to buy passage on the first ship south. His heightened senses were too much now. The swarm of smell and sound pressed in on him as surely as the walls of a prison cell. The whole world was cloying and much too close. He covered his face with his hands. Don't make me stay. Huff was coming. A single point of goodness in the world. He didn't speak, but merely moved. And then he was there, climbing into Henley's lap, a warm comfort. It is best not to think in absolutes like forever and never, the voluptuary said. Face what is for as long as it is. That is all anyone can do. But don't discount your strength. Though untrained, you possess a deep reserve of the Marcus. You need not remain defenseless for the rest of your life. But to grasp your power, you must accept it and learn it. Trust me, it is a gift one few get. The voluptuary got up and smoothed her robes. Reginald, you have another ten day remaining in your penance, correct? Stay with Henley for as long as he stays in the baths. Reginald shot up and swept a deep bow. My pleasure, Mother Voluptuary. He will want for nothing. The woman left. Henley realized she had gone without an answer from him. And what answer could he give but to accept her hospitality? At least they tolerated Huff's presence. Those who lived here held no love for the way of Till, and the promise of two gold skillets was apparently not enough to tempt them. That assumed they could catch Huff if they wanted to. Kyle is up to something, Huff sent. Did Ollie tell you something? She was at the cathedral and then she climbed an outer tower. Whatever she did, Nax is gone. 
What do you mean, gone? Huff didn't expand on his comments, but sent a wave of annoyance for being asked what the gone meant. Is Nax dead? Henley doubted even Kyla could bear such finality. And Ollie's unwelcome bond had been nothing short of a hair shirt to her, as if her suffering hadn't been sufficient. Huff didn't send any grief through the bond, but he was agitated by the loss of Nax. He didn't say anything more, so Henley was forced to deduce that Nax was either beneath the realm of sleep or dead. Either way, Kyla would be in agony, and there was nothing Henley could do to ease it. What is it? Rajan asked. You look like the scream clown stole your mother. Kyla's cat has gone missing. Yes, the Hargath took her. I was there, remember? No, Huff says Nax is gone. I need to find Fallow and discuss what we're going to do. He stood and felt the awkwardness between him and Reginald return. Being an enemy was a habit not easily shed. Again, thank you, Reginald. You are a much better man than your father. That's not saying much, but thank you. So let's go find Fallow. He isn't here at the baths. I see. So you're going to risk getting caught by the Hargus men? You heard the voluptuary. I dare not leave the baths without permission again, or who knows what penance she'll give me. I won't be long, Rajan. It's your neck, Hen. Don't call me Hen. He didn't wait for Rajan to agree. In minutes, he was upon the roofway and running for Terracide. <laughs>